Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. During the four weeks of Advent, I will be looking for different perspectives of the lessons that will help us prepare for Christmas and the birth of Jesus. I hope you'll find this meaningful to you no matter what faith perspective you are coming from. Last week, we looked at how the message of the ancient prophets proclaimed God's faithfulness and God's promise to rescue his people from troubled times. This week, my message for the second week of Advent, will focus on Mary and Joseph and their trip to Bethlehem. They travel there for the purpose of registering for a tax census, but in the midst of this arduous journey, Mary gives birth to a child who would be named Jesus. Since that time, Mary and Joseph and Jesus have come to be known as the Holy Family. Listen as we hear the story of how it all came about. Then we'll talk about what difference this story makes in our lives. We'll be looking for ways that we can relate to the Holy Family's experience. Our reading comes from the second chapter of St. Luke. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every year at this time, Christians around the world listen with awe and wonder to that story of the birth of Jesus, as though they were hearing it for the first time. Well, in a sense, we are hearing it for the first time, because we hear the story differently according to the situation we find ourselves in each year. If we are living in good times, We're likely to hear the story with thanksgiving for what God has done for us. If we're living through dark times, we look to the story for hope. I leave it to you to determine how you hear the story this year. You may even hear it differently on Christmas Eve than you hear it today. Let's start by talking about where Mary and Joseph began this journey. Nazareth, a small village of shepherds located over 100 arduous miles by foot from Bethlehem. Now, we often picture Joseph as a carpenter fashioning furniture in a primitive workshop. Just as likely, he was more of a construction worker who may have worked on building projects in the nearby major city of Sepphoris. As our story begins, Mary is a teenage girl who had been betrothed or promised in marriage to Joseph. Prior to their journey, an angel reveals to Mary, a virgin, that she's going to give birth to a child. The angel assures Mary that this will be a special child, a promised Messiah that the people of Israel had been looking forward to. Mary accepts the news of her pregnancy, despite the hardship it may bring. She graciously sings, All generations will call me blessed. Upset at first by the news of her pregnancy, Joseph is not so gracious. He decides to exit the betrothal and gently put Mary aside. Then he receives an angelic assurance himself that this child is of divine origin and that he should not put her aside. 
He follows the angel's advice, but, to put it mildly, their marriage is off to a rocky start. The next challenge that this young couple would face is that they are required to travel to Bethlehem to present themselves for a census for the purpose of taxation. Bethlehem is Joseph's ancestral city. Joseph is descended from the lineage of King David, the all-time greatest and most popular king of Israel. David was legendary. King David lived about a thousand years prior to Jesus' birth, so saying that he was descended from the royal house would be equivalent to me saying that I'm descended from William the Conqueror or an early king of England. His ancestry would provide tribal identity, but it would not have any effect on his economic status. Mary and Joseph were poor folk from a backwater town in Galilee. It's hard for us to imagine the difficulty of the journey that this young couple faced. The terrain is rugged and accommodations along the way minimal. To top it all off, at the end of the journey, they were unable to secure lodging, probably because the census had drawn crowds to Bethlehem and things were booked up. They're forced to seek refuge in what likely was a livestock shelter, since we're told that the baby is placed in a manger or a feeding trough. This is about as humble a beginning as you could script for the child proclaimed to be the Son of God and who would become the Savior of humankind. The birth itself was evidently unremarkable. The only detail that we have is that after Jesus was born, they wrapped him in swaddling cloths, which was common practice. In the Gospel of Luke, from which we read, the only others attending the birth were bands of shepherds who had been summoned by angels to witness and spread the news of his birth. It must have been a long night. The clear message of this story is that the power of God cannot be measured in earthly standards. The light that came into the world in Jesus was not based on economic or political power. This was a simple family affair. As the child grew up, he would model power that arose from humility, compassion, and forgiveness. Jesus is one of us from the very beginning. He would be a different kind of king than everybody expected. It's vital that we recall this story of humble beginnings as we enter the Christmas season. This humble setting doesn't jive very well with what most of us Americans experience uh, during this time of year. Even during this scaled-back holiday, we are bombarded by glitzy images of Christmas merchandise. A big difference this year is that we will do most of our shopping online. Whether or not we have a Merry Christmas will still be measured by how many gifts are under our bigger and bigger trees. To me, the most ludicrous images of Christmas gift-giving are the TV commercials where a husband or wife surprises their spouse on Christmas morning with a brand new Lexus or Mercedes, which is adorned with a giant red bow sitting in the uh, driveway. There's even a GM commercial where the husband surprises his wife with his and her vehicles. Now, who does that? We've come a long way from a barn in Bethlehem. Excuse me if I get a bit nostalgic, but I remember celebrating Christmas in a simpler time. We went to a Christmas pageant at our church on Christmas Eve where we would were gifted with a brown paper bag holding a traditional apple, peanuts, and some barely edible hard candy. Our family would return home to open the scattering of presents under the tree. I would receive a new toy or two. The adults' practical clothing items. Socks were popular. 
and then we would spend the quiet evening together eating cookies and playing board games while listening to Christmas music. It was a Christmas scene worthy of the cover of Saturday Evening Post. And I can honestly say that the most elaborate and excessive Christmas gift-giving extravagances that I've experienced in the years since then have never topped those of my early years. Now, I'm no Scrooge. I don't want to substitute guilt for joy this Christmas. We all need some cheering up. But I think it would be good for all of us if we gave some serious consideration to what it was like for Mary and Joseph that night in Bethlehem. What's the modern equivalent? For one thing, there are millions of people around the world, many in our own country, who are still experiencing great hardship. In one way or another, there will be, they will be told there's no room for them at the inn. This is a reality that we must keep in sight, even as we celebrate. Just last week, I got a call from a woman who belonged to my former congregation. Linda had long been disabled, and last year her husband also suffered a serious illness and was unable to work either. They ran up astronomical medical bills, which quickly consumed their modest savings. They'd always lived modestly, kind of paycheck to paycheck, but now they couldn't even pay their rent. Their landlord was becoming increasingly hostile and demanding. Now, due to the moratorium on evictions, the landlord could not just put them out into the street. She did, however, find a way to put pressure on them. When a problem arose with the power line feeding their house, she refused to have it fixed. Unaware of recourse available to them, Linda and Dale found themselves without electricity or heat. A neighbor ran an extension cord from his house that now powers a small heater and lamp in the living room. As the weather gets colder, the temperature inside the house still approaches freezing at night. Although I was able to guide them to some resources that will provide some temporary relief, it's likely that due to COVID-imposed isolation, they will be spending a bleak Christmas Eve. It will be a hard Christmas for many Mexican and Central American refugees waiting at the southern border to enter the U.S. For thousands upon thousands of them, the message is clear. There is no room at the inn. Many of these refugees have endured harder treks than Mary and Joseph, only to arrive and be rejected. Some families are enduring hardships together, but many others have split up or have been separated by force. They daily face a struggle to find shelter and food in order to survive one more day. Some will not survive. Many of the children will be permanently scarred by their trauma. Even in the town of Bethlehem itself, life will be difficult this Christmas. Bethlehem now lies in the west bank of Israel, and the Palestinians who live there, many of them Christians, are living with increasing poverty. A wall has been built around the city, and most residents are not able to travel outside to work. And to further exacerbate the situation, the COVID pandemic has effectively killed tourism, upon which the residents of Bethlehem relied to sell olive wood manger scenes and other delicate carvings which decorate many of our homes. Each year, Christmas Mass is held at the Church of the Holy Nativity in Bethlehem, the church built over the site of Jesus' birth. Now, despite the fact that the Mass will still be held this year, there will be little comfort and joy in the city. 
There is no room in the inns in Bethlehem, not because they are full, but because they have been closed for lack of tourist travel. The hotels that were in the midst of a building boom last year now stand empty. What a grim irony for that little town of Bethlehem about which we sing. Poverty and hardship was a reality of Bethlehem on the day of Jesus' birth, and it still is today. The poor still struggle. Refugees are forced to take to the road and fight for a place to sleep. But it is in this, into this reality that the Christ child is born. The child is still looking for a place to be born. And that place to be born is in our hearts. Here's our invitation in the words of that Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Every year I see billboards around town encouraging us to put the Christ back in Christmas. It's a noble sentiment meant to call attention to the materialism of our Christmas season. But the way to put Christ back in Christmas means more than just going to church on Christmas Eve and displaying a manger scene under your tree or on on your mantle. It means making sure that we open our hearts to the poor and the dispossessed so that when they come knocking in the cold of night, we do not say, sorry, there's no room at the inn. Amen. Thank you for joining me today and for journeying with me along the Bethlehem Road as Christmas approaches. May God bless you and your family as we await the light of Christ to come into the world.